There's beauty. There's so much beauty that can be missed, whether it's in animation or in VFX. You will never get the same results if you light a darker skinned person the way you light a lighter skinned person. You will never get the same results. You have to essentially bring out the beauty of a darker skinned person through different techniques. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Ray Mendoza-Landa, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okumura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Kayleen Acosta-Rodriguez. She is a Dominican artist working as a lighting assistant at Disney. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. I guess a quick rundown. I've studied at SVA, School of Visual Arts in New York City. And prior to that, I went to a very technical high school that introduced me even more to the traditional side of arts and drawing and and painting and whatnot. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I studied computer arts, computer animation and visual effects at School of Visual Arts. Graduated during the start of the pandemic, unfortunately. So it's been a bump. Be right. (laughs) And yeah, was able to somehow get on my feet when everything was shutting down, getting completely canceled, internships and whatnot, and was able to be mentored in a Blue Sky mentorship. Oh, Blue Sky. Yeah, interned at Hornet right after, and then was blessed to be in my current position in Disney as a lighting assistant. Before we get into the interview, the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. Oh, okay. (laughs) He looks so shocked. (laughs) All right. I'll start us off with the first question. Who would you rather hit the waves with? Nani from Lilo and Stitch or Moana for Moana? Ah. That's hard. <laughs> That's hard. Because do I do Moana justice? Because she's on my wall. Mm. I have a huge poster. Mm-hmm. But do I do my soul justice? Because Nani is like, holy crap. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. And very underrated for Disney character. Agree. Hard agree. Yeah. I'm going with Nani. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What kind of tipped the scales or put you over? I think Lilo and Stitch... The movie overall and just her relationship with Lilo always reminded me of me and my sister. And that movie always made me cry, like Uh bawling (laughs) my eyes out, sort of crying, like snot going everywhere. So (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the dear place in my heart. Were you Nani or were you Lilo? (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Damn. I feel like in a way both. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I could be, I could be annoying. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm very, very out there, but other times I can be very mature for my age. So it's like a weird, mm-hmm. very interesting balance of the two. Right. That's funny. I was just thinking because you said like it reminded you of you and your sister. So it's like, oh, which one were you? <laughs> oh, to my sister, she would hands down say I'm Lilo. Oh. <laughs> without, like, without hesitation. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. What about you, Yuki? Who would you rather hit the waves with? Yeah, I would also probably go for Nani here. Yeah. Just, I feel like, I mean, they're both really young, right? Like, Nani's still really young, even though she looks mature in the movie. Yeah. I think the big thing is because, like, she's so young and she's taking care of her sister. Like, 
they have to make sure that she's being well taken care of. But I just think like Nani would be like chill. We could hang out. Like Moana, I feel is more like high strung. She's got a lot of responsibilities with her village. Yeah. Like <laughs> she'll have to go to a meeting. Yeah, you know, right after our our session, oh, catching some <laughs> waves. You know, <laughs> sailing would be cool. I've always wanted to like go surfing, and like I think that would be fun to learn how to surf and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Nani does have those trophies. Yeah. That is a huge pointer. Mm-hmm. It's crazy kind of what they put in the movie, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually would choose Moana. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, I would hit the waves Moana because she's friends with the waves. Yeah. So it'd be easier for me to learn whatever. So mm-hmm. like, I don't actually have to have any actually natural skills. <laughs> Let the waves do the... The, the wave will do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's the only reason. You got to get the waves to like you. This sounds like cheating. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's valid in this case. It's really funny, right? Oh, man. But yeah, I think sailing or surfing, I think having the waves on your side is a plus. Yeah. All right. All right. I see. Okay, great. Good answers. We'll move on to the next question. Would you rather go around flying on Dojo from Shaolin Showdown or on Appa from Avatar The Last Airbender? Yo! Now hold on. <laughs> I loved Shaolin Showdown. <laughs> Jimmy Kong was my girl. Oh. oh my god. Dang. And he was cool too. Appa can't talk, mm-hmm. but Appa's such a sweetheart. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna go with... Shaolin Showdown. Hey. Nice. Finally. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Finally, somebody else who loves Shaolin Showdown. <laughs> yeah, let's go. For anybody who watches or listens to this and they do or don't know, I'm a big fan of Shaolin Showdown. Oh, so <laughs> it's like one of my childhood favorites and I'll still say it holds up. Oh, yeah. It Easy. holds up so much. Easily. Easily. Jack Spicer, best villain out there. Hands down. Fight me. Dude, best villain, Jack Spicer. Easily. But yeah, I would choose Dojo as well because you can actually have a conversation with Dojo. Jojo can get big, he can get small, and like he can talk. Yeah. Appa's super cute. I love Appa. Super cuddly, but... Not versatile, you know? Mm. You can't take Appa in with you to the market. You constantly have to leave him somewhere. It's kind of like when you like leave your dog <laughs> in the car, which you shouldn't do. Yeah. But like, yeah. it's like that. But Dojo, Dojo can just get small and just kind of be like Mushu and just like be on your shoulder. Yeah. Dragon. Yeah. yeah. And he's a freaking dragon. <laughs> He's a freaking dragon. You could talk to him. You're in battle and he could like be on the in the corner just giving you pointers or on your shoulder like, yo, 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 hit him on the left, hit him on the left. <laughs> I love that. You guys are like, oh, I want that guy in my corner. <laughs> want that guy in my ring. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Yuki? Appa or Dojo? I would probably go with Appa. I really like the idea of like just having a giant like flying fluffy animal. <laughs> I would love to have like a huge dog someday, just like massive, but they also eat like a billion pounds of food and I don't make that kind of money. So it would never happen. But in this like fictional idea of like, yeah, yes, I would love to have an oppa and like ride around and stuff. It's okay if he doesn't talk, but <laughs> very good points for Dojo. <laughs> A shout out to Shaolin Showdown. Yeah. I'm glad that like I'm not the only one because yeah, it does yeah. not get talked about often and it should. It's a good show. Honestly, underrated. It's such a good concept. One of those underrated, what was it on Cartoon Network? 
Uh, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Yeah, it's Saturday morning kids WB. I think it's where okay. it was like its main time slot. Like yeah. it's so underrated, and kids these days they don't know good. Like <laughs> they don't. Uh, they really? don't know good, the OG. You know, cartoons <laughs> or or starter animes. Like, come on, they're watching. I'm sorry, but they're watching the Teen Titans and. I don't like that. I'm, I don't like Teen Titans Go. I don't like it. I gave it a shot. I gave it a shot. So, and I, I tried in my heart, you know, because they kept, for example, they kept Tara Strong, the voice actress for Raven. I was like, holy crap. Like, they're, they went in. Yeah. But mm-hmm. come on. The OG Teen Titans, you cannot beat that. Mm-hmm. Come on. No, it's very hard to beat. The one thing I also want to say really quickly as well is that for all the Avatar's Last Airbender fans, Shaolin Showdown did it first with the first bald monk <laughs> with a series that's also based around the four elements of air, wind, fire, and earth. Lay it down! No. <laughs> Lay it down! Shaolin Showdown did it first. Damn. <laughs> Lay it down. <laughs> well, Ray, you're gonna get so many DMs. This is controversial. <laughs> come at me. No, don't come at me. Just kidding. <laughs> I do love Avatar The Last Airbender. I love it too. Yeah. I will never shit on it ever because I rewatched that like so many times. And when it came out on Netflix, mwah, magic. But you know, mm-hmm. Shaolin Showdown, yeah. special place. Shaolin Showdown did it first. <laughs> it's, it's really incredible. It's a, like a really good concept of like yeah. mm-hmm. not only the elements, but then they also have like the Shenghong Wu mm-hmm. that they use in the Shaolin Showdowns. Like, yeah, it's really smart and how like all of those kind of traded hands a bunch of times. And they have such a diverse cast, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Raimundo from Brazil, Clay from Texas, Texas. Yeah. Kimiko from Japan. Yeah. And uh, Omi. 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 Yeah. Chinese monk, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Little, little, little nugget. <laughs> <laughs> little nugget. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, beautiful answers. Beautiful questions. <laughs> Those got me. Good, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm glad that you, yeah. you really participated there. <laughs> I'm like, I, oh my god, these are, these are so good. No, I'm really glad you enjoyed the questions. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, thank you so much for playing. And for our audience, if you enjoyed today's in between questions, let us know your responses. Or if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, contact us on social media. As we kind of get started, how did you break into the animation industry? Yeah. Where do I start? Uh, <laughs> so it, it's interesting. It's interesting because we're studying at SVA and we don't really have a clue, honestly, as to you know what we're doing. We're just hoping and working our asses off to pray to get into like a big name studio or, or any studio, honestly, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think throughout my junior year and up until graduation, you know, I, I busted my butt applying to DreamWorks every every time I saw a lighting position open on LinkedIn or, or their careers page. <laughs> oh, you know, damn well, I'm sending in my application. They already saw it two weeks ago. I don't give a shit. Let me send it again. <laughs> so I would I would be really consistent and persistent. 
I didn't really care too much if I seemed annoying because I felt as though it would continue to remind them of my name at least and give me a shot and them at least taking a peek at my new updated reel or something like that. Mm. And eventually being consistent, that's what got me very closely. If the pandemic would have never happened, I would have been in, you know, working at Blue Sky for their internship that summer that I graduated in 2020. But thankfully, they at least kept some sort of the program online transition online and that's kind of like what got me going you know having that mentorship that one-on-one feedback with the the projects that I was doing and really honing in on why I enjoy lighting and what keeps me going in that and that's kind of like led the paveway yeah into the animation industry for me totally what a weird time to kind of break into the industry as yeah. well during 2020 because oh, yeah. I had a couple of friends as well that got pretty far in the internship selection process or even the trainee selection process like yeah mm-hmm. and everything got canceled yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got, For a long period of time. Exactly. I knew a guy who accepted the offer from DreamWorks already wow. for their trainee position. And then they had to send him a message revoking his like, yeah. thing like, oh, we're actually taking back our offer because yeah. we're not going to be able to do it in person. It sucked. Yeah. It sucked. I, that's exactly what happened. I got a phone call one minute from Blue Sky saying I'm, I reached a far into the selection process for the, the internship. Next thing I know, two weeks later, hey, so sorry, due to the pandemic, we're canceling the internship. Mm-hmm. So it, it really sucked. But they, they kept some of it. Yeah. Like you said, like, I guess you still had meetings Thank and uh, kind of learned online in that sense. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we met through Zoom with the mentors and so thankful that they considered to keep it going because otherwise, I don't know what (laughs) I would have been doing, honestly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So something else I kind of want to get into, you're one of the first like lighting people that we had on the podcast and Mm -hmm. for our audience, lighting is just a very specific part for like a 3D pipeline. I think video games as well, not really so much in 2D. Or towards the end. (laughs) Yeah, towards the end. But this again, it's still part of the pipeline, still helps make the final visuals appealing and like, you know hit hard when you're watching in the theater so this is like still in a very important part of the process something that i kind of want to learn more about could you tell us what the role of a lighting assistant at walt disney animation studios entails yeah so essentially it is very 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 similar to being a lighting apprentice slash trainee And I say that because the responsibilities are essentially the same in terms of receiving the same level of difficulty shots. Mm. So essentially similar same as shots and not obviously like the crazy difficult complicated shots just yet because they need to see you you essentially need to build their trust in order to receive those sorts of shots and show that you are growing and whatnot but yeah it's essentially the same it's it's almost like a gateway into i believe they call it lighting journeyman or you know essentially like a regular lighter on the staff team Mm. it's essentially like a little bridge between apprentice and like the real deal Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah so there i'm like in the middle trying to prove my worth you know (laughs) (laughs) i could do it (laughs) are there like a bunch of lighting assistants or is it like you're the one trainee kind of under the regular lighting and then there's like a manager over that or yeah so there are other lighting assistants as well we're essentially all the ones that graduated in a sense from (laughs) being a lighting apprentice on Encanto Mm. and yeah we got our supervisors looking over us our mentors that we had on Encanto for example they still check up on us. I still, 
message them for feedback and whatnot because you know mentors that whole relationship you maintain mm. and you're so grateful to maintain because they're the ones who want to see you succeed a lot more and grow you know they put in so much love into you in the beginning of the program they don't want to see it go to waste like mm. and you want to make them proud you want to make yourself proud by being able to prove that you know you can handle tougher shots you can handle tougher sequences or be more a part of that conversation of the lighting direction that the directors want to go in or something like that or you know with your supervisor can you kind of give us an example of like one of the shots you did do in a canton like kind of like your thought process in lighting that oh ooh, ooh. i i think the most important one i had to really think thoroughly was the first shot that i received right out of the trainee section so we first started off as trainees for about six months and then we shifted to apprentices, essentially being able to be given those feature film shots. Mm. And that first shot that I received, it was not a similar same as, meaning not a shot where I have a concrete before and after shot where I can essentially use to guide my lighting uh. and, you know, use their key, use their foundation mm. for mine. Uh-huh. In this first shot, I, I did get a foundation before this particular lighter went on vacation, or I think he went on like parental leave. Mm. But that one, I, I, I really had to light on my own, essentially. And this was like my chance to prove to my supervisor to really set that like wow statement especially as my first shot. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I went in, I looked at the surrounding shots. I looked at the contact sheets that, you know, different artists created and really wanted to dissect the mood that they were trying to maintain, especially for the surrounding shots. This mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. shot was when Luisa is outside with Mirabel, you know, with all the donkeys and Mirabel is, you know, really annoying the crap out of her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, tell me about Bruno, like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Mirabel, you know how it's like as soon as Luisa starts her singing sequence, she flips the earth mm-hmm. and we see Mirabel kind of like cover her eyes mm-hmm. and then do like a quick turn. So it was a really, really quick shot. Mm-hmm. But that was the first shot that I received. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was challenging. It was so challenging. It was fun. I got to work on more character lighting. That's something that I really wanted to practice more on. But yeah, I could go on and on, but... (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things I'm kind of interested or kind of want to know more about, because I absolutely know nothing about this part of the pipeline. I know when it comes to like animating a scene, like animators get certain shots. Sometimes their shots are sequential in the same thing. So when it comes to like lighting, like you're talking about that scene outside. I know you're talking about that transition one, but like that scene in Encanto where Mirabella is talking to Luisa outside and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, even though that all takes place in one scene, like it being outside where the donkeys are, there's several camera cuts, right? Yeah. For lighting, are you guys doing lighting for each specific shot or do you lighting for that whole scene? And then within that scene, you have the different cameras. That way you don't have to light every individual camera cut unless it's a special moment. Yeah. Is that how it is? Bingo. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So essentially, the more experienced lighters on the team, they're they're crazy, crazy incredible. They essentially start from scratch and they start off with lighting a foundation key for a specific sequence, specific camera angles. And, you know, the rest of us, we go in for similar same as shots. So similar camera cuts Mm -hmm. and use that as like our start into 
you know, lighting that shot. And normally with those types of shots, the majority of the lighting that we would do, especially on my end, is very, very like detailed, very, very specific little things that we'll have to adjust either in Maya or in Nuke because we also composite these shots. So, you know, we do both of those works. Mm. What is Nuke, just in case like some people might not be aware with that program? Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm gonna be horrible at explaining this. Uh, but <laughs> Nuke, just simplify as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. Nuke is essentially a compositing software. It's a more complicated version of Photoshop, I would say, mm. where you can essentially break out your lights or break out, you know, render passes that you render out from Maya and bring it all together and make some beautiful magic <laughs> in Nuke. And then you render that bad boy out, and it is gold mm. and nuke is that something you learned on the job when you started at disney or did you get a chance to mess with it while you were in school in sva yeah i was really lucky and really blessed i was able to get in a class where i think it was my sophomore year i cried a lot and <laughs> you know near-death experiences <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but, but i learned nuke <laughs> my um, god yeah that professor was so tough and she cared about us but Lord, <laughs> was it was it an interesting time to learn Nuke with all the other softwares that you're learning at the same time? Mm. I don't think I really learned Nuke that well in school, mainly because of that, you know, stress and you're just, you just want to get the homework in and, and whatnot. Yeah. But I think I learned more after I graduated, uh, a lot more in Disney than anything else, essentially, especially with everyone taking it step by step taking their time to really show us the way they use Nuke and, you know, the plugins and, you know, what workflow that they like to use. And you essentially like grab all of those workflows that you're being taught and you kind of create your own that you feel the most comfortable working with. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's like important for you as a lighter to have had that experience beforehand? Or is that like kind of unusual for lighters to also be compositing in a pipeline? I know you've pretty much only worked for uh, Disney at that point, but it does seem like it could be a whole other job, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially depending on whether you're in VFX or in the animation industry. Right. I don't think it's necessary at all, to be honest, to learn mm, okay. or to know, you know, specific softwares prior to getting a, a, a position you know I, I mm. obviously you should have an understanding <laughs> at least of like what you're getting into but it's something that's so it's all on you to really learn because softwares change every single year there's something mm -hmm. new being added and we never stop learning essentially so that's something that can easily be taught mm -hmm. either on your own or by someone else you know your supervisor or a co-worker whereas you know it's all on you to really hone in on the foundation of lighting and why you got into lighting in the first place or in you know your specific area in the first place softwares can always be taught but that foundation where you know where that comes from whether it's painting you paint it as a background or you're a photographer or a simple admiration of the way lighting works in the physical world like that's all on you you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things I kind of want to ask is that one of your early experiences was interning at Hornet as a CG generalist. For those that don't know, Hornet is like an animation production studio based in New York. Could you tell us what was the biggest thing you kind of took from that internship experience? Yeah, uh, I love the people. <laughs> I think I left. Yeah, yo, that team, 
They were so freaking cool. They were so chill and we got the work done. I think the biggest thing, I learned a lot and in them, they trusted me. I was able to really gain their trust as I continued to like work my my ass off and, and continue to show them, you know, my skill sets and my interests and whatnot. They, I don't know, they just, they were just freaking cool. They were really cool people. And I love working with really cool people. It makes the job seem less like a job and more enjoyable. And this, unfortunately, was also through Zoom and, you know, Google Meets and whatnot. So still during the pandemic, <laughs> but you could still catch, you know, awesome vibes and awesome energy from people even through the computer screen. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. So you were a CG generalist. So were you like modeling, rigging, grooming, and lighting? Or were you also just doing lighting at that time? They started me off with toolkitting. Uh, toolkit is essentially putting their character models and rigs and light scenes into like an archive of sorts mm. to get used to their pipeline and the way they had everything in the outliner set up and whatnot. That was a perfect experience for me to get used to that. And then eventually they had me modeling some characters with the director, which is pretty cool. You know, got to see his designs and right away just throw it into Maya and show some iterations of that cool 2D character that he designed. I'm like, here it is in 3D. Hope you like it. <laughs> I, please tell me you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Needs approval. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will fix anything you want me to fix. Just, I want you to like it. Uh-huh. So did kind of being a generalist allow you to like experiment with different parts to kind of really grow in certain areas or see what you kind of gravitated towards? Yeah, I think they mainly had me model toolkit and light at certain points and very, very basic rigging. I hate rigging. I, I will never get into that. <laughs> it's definitely a different brain. Yeah, honestly. Uh, shout out to everyone who, you know, is in that area because God bless y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I think it really helped me see how different it is working in a commercial studio versus, you know, right prior to me getting into Disney for feature film because there's so much more fast paced and, you know, the work is just as fun and they can be as nitpicky and detail oriented as well. So that's something that, you know, is enjoyable because hmm. I'm a, I'm a very nitpicky person. So it's nice to know like, oh, your supervisor is the same way. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I see, I see that little area. I'm going to take care of it just to let you know and then be like, oh my God, yes, you're the best. No, that's good. That's good to be able to kind of do that and accomplish that. Mm. So you mentioned before that you were a lighting mentee at Blue Sky. You were also lighting trainee at Walt Disney Animation. How did the mentee position differ from the trainee position? Yeah, essentially the biggest difference was in the mentorship program with Blue Sky, I was able to work on my own projects and very, very, very one-on-one -on -one with my mentor. And, you know, it allowed me to be a little more creative. I was able to model my entire project. This is the one on my website where it's the girl in the bedroom. And, mm -hmm. you know, I model her Dominicana version. Of course, we got to get, mm -hmm. you know, the Latina out there <laughs> and eating from a bowl, her dogs in the room as well. And that was a fun project for me to go all out, you know, with him. Unfortunately, it's because I did, though, have to model everything, which I had no problem with. I enjoy modeling. It's something that I wish I could continue. I kind of let go a little bit, but I really want to get back into modeling some more and uh, getting back into ZBrush and whatnot. 
but it did take away a lot a lot of my time from lighting so I couldn't get to you know the other lighting references that I had for that specific project Mm -hmm. but yeah I learned so much but whereas that versus the trainee position with Disney they essentially gave us all the shots all practice shots for Encanto all the shots that were essentially ready to be kind of used as practice or homework assignments and they gave us amazing amazing homework assignments with those shots based on you know the mini classes that they gave us the the presentations that they gave us for that week and whatnot there was one i really loved it was a black and white lighting reference that i had to do based on a movie Mm. very noir-esque type of uh lighting and i fell in love with that It, it challenged me like to no degree like crazy crazy think outside of the box for that one and whatnot but Mm -hmm. honestly for all of those assignments i i had to think outside the box and Mm. prove to myself you know i got here for a reason that's let's prove it yeah yeah Yeah, totally when you're talking about the pc of the the dominican girl in in her room that is on your portfolio and it's it's really interesting to look at because uh, you have like a whole blog post about it yeah and one of the things that i thought was really interesting was that you know like she's dark-skinned and like you have a section like how to light dark skin yeah that's interesting to me because i know like people when you paint it like on photoshop or something you know people kind of have been struggling more with it or like becoming more aware of like how light affects light versus dark skin how is that different in lighting because from what i know is that you plug in stuff uh, you plug in like a, a generated light into the computer and then the computer does all of the equation or whatever so like is there a lot of adjusting you have to do for lighter to darker skin and also now that you've worked on like Encanto I mean they have a large range of like light to dark skin like Mm. you know Peppa and her husband are very like different in skin tone so yeah is that that different having two characters in the same scene exactly yeah 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 yeah. well first I'm so thankful that this is becoming more normal to see on the screen Mm. because and even in the real world with VFX you know, because you can't, you will never get the same results if you light a darker skinned person the way you light a lighter skinned person. You will never get the same mm. results. You have to essentially bring out the beauty of a darker skinned person through different techniques. Mm. And obviously use, you know, different techniques for any, any range of color you know there's beauty there's so much beauty that can be missed whether it's in animation or in vfx so it's so important to be able to dissect it and really figure it out firsthand man i think i'm still on this journey of Mm -hmm. learning especially from the more experienced lighters and blog posts and articles and whatnot on how to light darker skin and really shown in it shine in its beauty but there's always so much appreciation over their specularity highlights Mm. on the skin Mm -hmm. because you know darker skin tends to look dry if it's lit the way a lighter skin person is lit so you don't really get to see that beauty in their different planes in their faces their cheekbones the the t-zone area if there's no specularity you know and obviously there's way more into that and you know the computer can do most of the work but it's up to us to really adjust those settings Mm -hmm. and you know hone in on what we want to see more of and what looks best versus okay this works type of mentality Mm -hmm. no that's really great that's really amazing for me to hear that's something i completely was not aware of that like i'm glad that there's being thought kind of put into it when it comes to like lighting darker skin characters yeah Mm -hmm. 
And like also just one quick thing I kind of want to comment on as well. Like one of the things I do like about like Encanto is that again, Isabella is like the stereotypical kind of beauty like character. <laughs> yeah. But I love that the beauty type character is a darker skinned person because even yeah. in like, you know, Latin American culture, it's always fair, even fair skinned, like Latin, Latin people. Exactly. It's viewed as being more beautiful. So the fact that like mm-hmm. Isabella, which is typecast as the beautiful character, is darker skin. Yeah. Shows that again, dark skin can be beautiful too. So exactly. Lo- love that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's, man, it's, we're finally at a point of an age where seeing this change happen on the big screen and in the animation industry where younger people are viewing this, like it's making a change, you know, mm. and it kind of sucks when you see the same light skin person here and there and then every like animation movie or every vfx movie or every film you've watched mm-hmm. like where's the diversity you know mm-hmm. there's so much beauty around this world why can't we represent it the way we should be and i think we're mm-hmm. finally starting to do that and realizing the challenges that go with it but those in all honesty aren't challenges those are just you know fun adventures that we get to go on this journey and discover how to make someone you know beautiful beauty as shine through on the big screen or, or you know connect with the audience that you know that look exactly like them mm-hmm. and i guess like while kind of we're like on this topic as well is that how does your kind of cultural background influence you as an artist yeah well i'm proud loud and proud dominicana um <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah I don't know. I I always try. In the beginning, I had this sense of urgency to always put in where I came from into every work that I did in, you know, my paintings, my drawings, photography, all of those sorts. I did realize and I did notice that once I started lighting, it was a bit harder for me to show my culture a bit because Mm -hmm. how do you show culture in lighting, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh-huh. So that's when I started to take to notice, okay, in my side projects, I just have to choose lighting scenarios, references that really speak out to me and make my version of it. And that's like the perfect example was the, the you know, La Dominicana in her room chilling because mm-hmm. she was fair skin in the illustration and mm-hmm. I wanted to mm-hmm. not only challenge myself, but show a little more representation, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyone from Dominicana can tell you there is a beautiful rainbow of skin color and not, you know, it's not just not just fair skin, light skin, you know, it's it's all the whole spectrum. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. One of the things you also mentioned as well off cast and I kind of want to bring up as well is that like talking about representation, even when it comes to like your credits and Encanto. You wanted both of your names to be represented to represent your dad and your mom. Yeah. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's so important. Family is such a huge, huge, huge part of my life and ride or die, you know? So ever since, you know, I started working on in Disney and even during SVA, I wanted to include, you know, Rodriguez, you know, my mother's family in my work and everything Mm -hmm. and including both last names is such a big deal Mm. i feel like people don't take it as seriously or they're like ah it's just another person trying to sound special or whatever for having two last names we'll go for them no Mm -hmm. it's much deeper than that you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a sense of unifying obviously your family and showing that my success and whatever i do is their success Mm. every acosta rodriguez success Mm. you know it's it's much deeper than that 
I love that. Also, kind of really quick for like some background context, as you mentioned, again, off cast, you have dual citizenship where um, you didn't make any citizenship includes Rodriguez, but your American citizenship only includes Acosta. Yeah. So including the Rodriguez felt very important to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I tried for a bit trying to see if I can include Rodriguez into my uh, US ID and everything. Did that let you add it when you when you had to write it out or they were like, you know, you can only have one last name here. No, I mean, I was born here, so oh, okay. it, I, you know, oh, it's always been Acosta. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, my parents chose not to include Rodriguez, but when I got my dual citizenship for DR, obviously, you know, that's mm. it's custom and traditional to include both our parents' uh, last name. And oh, okay, yeah. It's beautiful. Why would you get rid of it, you know? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a beautiful big family, and, and there's so much history that goes on with, especially where that last name comes from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally feel that. I mean, Ray and I both have two last names. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we had also gotten into this, I guess, offcast. My, like, legal last name is just Wong. But growing up, my mom was, like, who was the, the primary caretaker of uh, me and my brother, was like, oh, put Okamura on your paper so that people know I'm your mother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when she came to get me, they were, like, they were not like, oh, who's this strange woman? <laughs> But then I just, <laughs> you know, growing up, I got used to writing Okamura Wong, and yeah. now it feels weird not to have it, yeah. like not to show that, like I have my two families that, to me, and this is not the case for everyone, obviously, but like to me, they're like I want to represent both of them because they're so separate for me, and they're like, exactly. I'm like, yeah, I come from both of them, and I want to recognize that, yeah, uh, in in like a good way, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get married. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> keep tacking on board names (laughs) i totally feel that as well because i kind of had a similar but different experience where Mm. it wasn't until like i got into college or like my last year of high school where i actually started using both of my last names all throughout schooling till up till up until like 11th grade i will only put mendoza oh i didn't know that and part of that was just out of sheer laziness because i knew (laughs) i would like land up but just like it was just easier to sign my name on test everything i had to put my name on just putting mendoza Mm -hmm. and every now and then when my mom would see my grades or whatever she would see that i would always leave out landa and she would always tell me like oh right landa that's also part of your name yeah like that's my name like put it on there yeah and to me i was Not like i didn't understand sees. as a kid I was, I was just like whatever like okay oh but it wasn't until like i got older where i realized like oh no like yeah exactly what you guys are saying. This is, it's a way for me to like yeah showcase that yeah i'm a representation of both of my parents and how both of them have influenced me and how like i want to also represent them yeah so mm-hmm. once once that started to click to me and i actually understood that i went out of my way more to include like landon to make sure that like when people refer to me or when my name's included in anything it's like my full name because both of those names have become important to me because both of the names yes. are part of my identity and who i am exactly mm-hmm. yeah and yeah i wish i would have understood that more as as a young kid but it wasn't something till it started to click until like later on but I'm glad that I have those two last names. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm able to represent my mom. Yes. Because uh-huh. sometimes, especially, I, I want to say maybe maybe Hispanic households or maybe like you tend not to represent your mom. You tend to forget depending on like yeah. maybe your your gender roles. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, I really want to sh- represent my mom moving forward and yeah. show her that she does influence me along with my dad. Yeah, exactly. That's really sweet. That's yeah. so heartfelt. Yeah. <laughs> feel that but also wait okay before i move on though, because <laughs> we talked about this too of like i also like having two last names because then i could spot myself in the credits yes like, oh there it is <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like super long yes. <laughs> make it easier oh my god what oh my god i'm the only one you'll see for income for credits longest name right there <laughs> <laughs> like yes, 
there I am. You can't miss it. You won't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> you will not be able to miss it. <laughs> so one of the other things I kind of also want to get into, again, you studied at SVA, majoring in computer art and computer animation and visual effects. Originally, I kind of wanted to ask how that education kind of prepared you. But again, talking off cast, we learned that you're actually kind of still there. Yeah. <laughs> so you're currently like a staff member living in New York, but you're living rent free because you're an RA or some sort. Yeah. Like how how did that come about? And like, how are you able to do that and work simultaneously for Disney? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Trust me. It's, it's as crazy and bizarre as it sounds. <laughs> I used to be a uh, resident assistant at SVA for my final two years. Mm. And, you know, I guess I did a crazy good job because... <laughs> I got a call back that the summer I graduated right at the, I think it was like May, June, you know, pandemic full full Mm -hmm. force. And I got a call to consider a part-time position here as kind of like a helper for the RHD, for the resident hall director, Mm. similar to like an RA. So I was like, okay, cool. I used to be an RA. I could do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I just had to consider, at the time, I went back to my parents' house, and I had to consider moving back into the city. And I was like, okay, do I want to do that again? Maybe it'll be easier for me to find more jobs, because this was, you know, when everything was getting canceled. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I took it. And here I am now, like, what, two years later, almost? Mm -hmm. Still here, crazy blessed. They were able to provide me this awesome apartment and I'm able to help out some students, help out security at the same time and help out with anything really and work, you know, full time at Disney uh, on my machine here. So it's pretty wild. <laughs> right? Yeah, even though it's part time, that's still a lot to juggle. I'm, I'm like yeah. severely impressed. Mm-hmm. It does become oddly, oh, what's the word? It's like, inconvenient would that be a good word (laughs) sometimes because it's like i'll get a call from security you know for something that a student needs and i'm in a meeting with my supervisor (laughs) so i can't really take the call or i'm juggling in my head like what do i do Uh (laughs) (laughs) you're in your meeting you're texting on your phone saying like i'll be there like in 10 minutes yeah 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 but sometimes it's worse because I have the room, a little caller machine, Uh. telephone thing on the wall. So sometimes if they call me through my phone and I don't pick up, they'll call me through that. And obviously that's (laughs) loud as shit. So it's like, oh, everybody that work from home life, you know, everybody's got their own (laughs) stuff like distractions going on. So yeah, (laughs) yours is just a little more urgent, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not complaining one bit because my situation mm-hmm. is so rare mm-hmm. and and I'm crazy, crazy blessed to be riding on this sort of journey. But yeah, I don't know. This is my life. <laughs> this is what I got to deal with. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the other things I've been meaning to ask you is what are some of your future aspirations for yourself in this industry? I think for the longest time, I've always wanted to give back to the the younger community of artists in República Dominicana and show them like you can this is an option for you to aspire to do you know this can be a, included in a part of your dream there's so many people out there that don't understand that this can be a job and it's so underrated it's so neglected and if people mention anything related to art being a job they're immediately like oh the fuck you're not going to get paid 
You're not going to get money. Are you going to have fun? You might have fun, but you're going to be crying, paying your rent and stuff like that. And man, I want to break people out of that mentality and be able to hone in. You know, there's so many people out there with so much talent and they'll set it aside, for example, because their parents don't understand that this is a whole mm. career that they can jump into. And it's so common in Latino culture, Dominican culture. My parents really wanted to make sure, like, are you 100% sure? Are you, are you sure? But I love them so much. They supported me from day one, buying me all those Copic markers. Uh, I loved it so much. <laughs> My painting supplies and whatnot but yeah yeah i love that and i love the idea of giving back to your community it's something that like if we have the means to all kind of strive to do because yeah yeah i want to see more people of color exactly. people that look like me like yeah like realizing that they can't work in animation because yeah, yeah i didn't grow up with that i didn't grow up mm-hmm. knowing anybody that looked like me working in animation so. exactly and i've met so many because uh, i'm a very outgoing person so i love to talk to people <laughs> and i i was able to come in communication um there is this program in dr that's called the show de mediodia and i was watching the program with mama and I saw they were doing an interview with an animator from Disney. Huh. And I was like, the fuck? Mm. I, gotta, I gotta hit him up. What the hell? Where is he been? So I hit him up and we have this awesome meeting. And he's like, yeah, it's so awesome to see another Dominican in this industry. There's so little of us. And, mm. and it's either we're too scared to strive for the impossible mm-hmm. or, or, you know, the mentality of what's the point, you know? Uh-huh. I'm not going to make it, so right. whatever. Let me choose something else. No, mm-hmm. like... It's awesome to be able to have your Dominican community and succeed with them. Because every time you succeed, your community succeeds. You're letting mm. everyone know, like, oh, that's dom- that's a Dominicana right there making making moves, you know? <laughs> I love that. No, that's very well put. That support, yeah. Well, Kayleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else that you want to promote? Yes. Well, everyone can find me best place Instagram at Keloke. So at K dot L O dot K A Y Keloke. <laughs> and my website Kelingacosta dot com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And thank you so much for also shedding some light on what you do as a lighter Ray. working in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you guys are able to like understand a little bit. You know, we're always at the back end and no one really knows what we do. So sometimes, honestly, I'll be honest, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing most of the time. <laughs> I'm winging it or I'm, I'm making it work mm-hmm. as long as it, you know, gets approved, mm-hmm. looks pretty. I learned, I reflect on it. Mm-hmm. We're good to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy we were able to give a spotlight on what you do. Ray, stop, and, please. It's too many puns. And, and, and as we come to a close, <laughs> is there any final advice that you would want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation? Yeah. Oh, my God. A lot. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to start off with, first and foremost, listen to your body because it's so easy to drown yourself in work and completely mm-hmm. neglect either eating I'm a victim to this. 
<laughs> or oh, no. or like yeah, no. it, it's tough. It's, like the stress will get to you, and you'll completely forget to like get up once in a while from your chair, right. or drink some water. You know, <laughs> so listen to your body while you work. Work will always be there. Your body, you yourself, will not. Mm-hmm. Listen to your body. You know, failure. Failure is. I feel like it's the best teacher you can ever be given. Mm. Take any failure you commit down the road or, or you committed yesterday or the day before or months before and reflect on those failures because I feel like a lot of people look at failures as such a negative thing when it should be it should be positive you know you failed okay why did you fail you know what's something that can you can do a little differently so that's the best teacher that you can ever have the best mentor you can ever have for free <laughs> so mm-hmm. and I'm gonna leave it with this one from one of my favorite quotes Favorite movie of all time, The Greatest Showman. Hugh Jackman <laughs> said, comfort is the enemy of progress. That right there says enough, you know? Mm-hmm. It gives you the idea that if you feel like you're comfortable in whatever you're doing, whether it's lighting, animating, or drawing, step out of your comfort zone once in a blue and see where mm-hmm. that takes you because you'll be surprised. You will be super, super surprised the rewards that you can acquire by stepping a bit out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that lovely piece of advice. And if you audience enjoyed our interview with Kayleen today, please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. Shout out to Daniela Dweck for suggesting Kayleen as a guest. Yay! Woo-woo! And if you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcasts at gmail.com. We love to discover new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to Edgar Arellano for editing this episode. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week. Have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.